Welcome to Your Work, Your Way. This is the podcast where you learn to get in touch with your inner CEO with soul. Learn to take charge of your career. Learn to show up with confidence in a way that is aligned with who you really are. I'm your host, Lisa Filia, Masters in Psychology, Certified Life Coach, Expert Career Confidence Coach, and Founder of Believe C. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, we are here for another episode of the Your Work Your Way podcast and we have one of my friends and fellow coach here. Her name is Sarah. I'll let her introduce herself in just a moment, but we met uh, working through another coach and we were in the same group together and it was it was love at first sight, I would say. <laughs> so our coaching friendship has continued to blossom and I really madly respect her for everything that she's created for her business and what she does for her clients and just her general energy as well. So I think you're all going to love having her on our episode and I'll go ahead and pass it over to her now so she can introduce herself. Yeah, Lisa, I'm so happy to be here. And yes, it was totally love at first sight. Um, I always said you were my, my my first coaching friend in our, from our coaching group. And so I value our friendship so much. But yes, uh, my name is Sarah Canistra. I'm the founder of The Overnight Trainer. So I'm a career and executive coach, really specifically focusing on helping people find, land, love their jobs in the learning and development space. So really, really niche and really focused there by everything from kind of one-on-one coaching to group coaching, but really revolving around, you know, having a really fruitful career. And I know that's what you and I initially bonded over too, of helping people um, in this more, it, more intuitive and more intentional way to career growth and career development. Um, and so that's, I, I know we, we share that love and that's something that's really important to me. Yeah. And it's fun for all our listeners here too, because we've never had another career coach on here. So I think they'll really benefit from getting to hear another perspective, but still around that career space. And I'd love to hear, what do you notice tend to be the key themes that your clients come to you with? Yeah. So before a lot of my clients work with me, I noticed that they are you know, taking the spaghetti approach. So throwing spaghetti at the wall, hoping that something sticks when it comes to their career transition. I work with a lot of people who are in transition um, from one industry into the learning and development space and in some other industries too, but mostly in that space. And I find that they're just like, get my resume done, throw it out there, you know, and, and, like I said, hope that something sticks when really the reality is that that just gives you more rejection. And so I see that like that, and there's some bad, I always say it's a bad game of telephone that someone said, oh, well, the more you apply to, the more that you're going to get. And that's actually the the more interviews you're going to get. And that's actually not true. The more aligned and intentional roles you apply to, absolutely. So what I find with my clients is as they come in and we figure out, we get really, really clear on what their niche is and have them only apply to roles that are in this niche. Now I say, rather than rather than trying to fit into everyone else's box, how do you create your own box and find roles that fit inside of it? Then they're applying, you know, not applying to 100 roles anymore, but maybe 10. But instead of getting one interview, they're getting six out of 10. So, you know, it's that intentionality behind it. But I'm really seeing a lot of that desperation, throwing spaghetti at the wall, really hoping that something sticks. And it just creates what I call that vicious application cycle where you're applying, you're getting, you know, rejections or hearing nothing. So then you undersell yourself, you apply to roles that you're actually overqualified for. And then because you're overqualified, you then are getting rejected from that. And so it's just this terrible, terrible cycle. So that's where I find a lot of people are in that space when they come come to me. Yeah. And what I find too, is when people don't catch it, then they can end up in these jobs that they truly are overqualified for. They're bored, they're unhappy, and they're a little resentful of the fact that they got in that situation in the first place. Yeah. That happened. uh, A a client that I was working with last year, she um, reached out to me. She signed up for my group program. And in between the program starting, she took another job. Um, and it wasn't a job that was aligned with her. It wasn't a job that she, you know, she just, she was running from not running towards. And I talk a lot about that with my clients of like, what are we running towards here? Like rather than just trying to get, you know, get out of a bad situation, but she was running from, and so ended up landing a role and hated it and was resentful of it. And it, it it caused even more emotional damage because now it was something new that she hated 
So like the devil, you know, versus the devil, you don't almost, yeah. right? So it's like in that old environment, she's like, at least I know it and I know it well, and I can, you know, work it to my advantage. But now I'm in this new environment. So I have to show up in a certain way because I am new and, but I also hate it. So now she's in like the most perfect, most amazing, incredible, incredible role. I'm just so excited for her, but I've seen that happen many, many a times. Yeah. And so back to the the original point around throwing spaghetti at a wall, not knowing what's going to work or what's going to stick. I think what sometimes stops us from making the choice is the fear of, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. And so I hear, I hear anyone out there who feels like, yes, that's the reason they're throwing spaghetti at the wall. And so what I'd offer is take a moment to look at the descriptions Start to notice what themes are common and the ones that really call to you. Start to build your own list of your dream career. And that'll help you to understand that you actually do know what you want more than you realize. So you've been going so fast that you haven't caught the glimpses yourself. Yeah. Like slow down a little bit, right? I have a a mentor of mine in the L&D space and she always says, you know, start slow to go fast. And I think a lot of people are just like hit the ground running zero to a hundred, create some resume, throw something out there. And again, just hope that it sticks versus taking that time in the beginning to lay that foundation and lay that framework, figure out what it is, like what skills you have, what interests you have, what your values are, like do the work the rest of it then actually become, becomes so much easier and you have so much more success versus to your point of just like, you know, putting it all out there. So start, do that work, do it with intentionality. See what you start to, what, what's standing out to you. And I think what you were saying too, is like write your own job description and then start, start to see what fits in your own job description. Yeah. Oh, thank you for putting it that way. I think that really makes it clear for people listening. What I'm realizing too, is that does take some courage because we we have to be willing to go there with ourselves and sometimes we don't know how to access that sense of courage and when we want to feel courage it doesn't require that we already know where we're going to land and i think people think they're supposed to know the end because everyone's always told begin with the end in mind you you're supposed to know where you're headed and you get yeah. so trapped in that that since you don't know it, you just give up. But there can be a vague view. Like you can imagine like you put some, it's blurry in the distance, but you're headed somewhere in that vague direction. And you can use that to start, get the momentum. Yeah. And I think even I was actually literally before we got on this call, I was coaching a client in Voxer and she's having that exact same, you know, the same issue and challenge. And I asked her like, rather than, rather than getting there's no such thing as a crystal clear picture of your future because unless you're a psychic, like I'm not, like my client's not, right? There, you know, there are people who are, but you know, you don't know. You actually don't know. But if you can start to visualize what your like your entire life could look like, right? Like, what would it look like to have that dream job? What time would you wake up in the morning? Like, would you be able to take your kid to school? Would you be able to sit and have a cup of coffee on your porch? Would you be logging in remotely or would you be able to be traveling for for work? Like I think we get caught up on like the 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 job description itself too and not of like what the job can actually do to enhance our lives. Like our jobs aren't our lives. We are there a lot of time and so we need to absolutely enjoy them, but there I believe that careers are made to enhance our lives. And that's why we work, right? Like isn't that isn't that why we work? Like to have a good life, like a better life. So it's it's so counter like productive to me when people are like in these soul sucking jobs or willing to take that when really the whole goal of you know having a great career is to have a great life. And so I think yeah. it's visualizing beyond to your point. It's like it's going to be blurry. There's no way to have a crystal clear picture, but I think you can start to visualize around it too. Of what would that what would your life look like when you're living you know living this dream career. Yeah. And I love that you're pulling out the pieces that don't have to do with the job itself. Because when we're thinking of that dream, it isn't just about the task we do. It's about the people we do those tasks with. It's about the industry that we're supporting along the way. It's about whether we're remote or in person or a hybrid approach. So there's so many pieces that we can play with there. Yeah. And I think going back to what you're saying too about the courage, like you may not have the courage or the confidence in what that, like what the end game looks like, but you could have that courage and confidence in what your life looks like around it. Right. It's like, like, what do you have control over? Well, you don't know what that job's going to exactly look like. You can get close and you probably have some ideas, but 
you know, you do have control over what you want your life to look like all around that too. So I think a lot of I've found, and then you're the confidence expert. You were on my podcast talking all about that. So um, I, I will absolutely, I would love to hear your thoughts on this too. But I find that a lot of times confidence and courage comes from some more clarity and not just again, clarity on like the day-to-day job description, but clarity on what you actually want your life to be and to look like. I think sometimes we get so focused on clarity of the next little detail of this tiny little spot that we're trying to fill in that we forget about the life clarity that you're talking about. This broader vision of what are you actually after beyond the career? The career isn't the whole viewpoint here. Yeah. Macro. Like how do we look at it from like a macro perspective versus like, you know, this, I will be doing this one job task every day. It's like, you may hate that job task. Like who knows? You don't, you don't, yeah. you don't know yet. Right. So I think it's important to look at it from that micro perspective and have have clarity on how you want to feel. Even start there. Right. Maybe you don't know what time you want to wake up, you know, in your dream job, but how do you want to feel? How do you want your life to feel? Uh, I think that's a great place to start. And that then will give you that courage and that I think that boost to say, okay, well, I want to feel that way. Well, now, now what do I actually do? What are the actions I take to make that feeling a reality for me? Yeah. And then we can go from there and we can even look at, okay, what are things I can do right now to already live that dream? Maybe I don't have the job yet, but maybe I can have that morning coffee the way I would in the dream job. Or maybe I can have that conversation with that coworker in the same way I would in my dream job. And you can find ways to bring it into the now. Yeah. And then your brain starts to, I mean, I was like, you and I talk about this often too, but like, then your brain starts to see that this is possible for you. Right. So now it's it's actually proof that this, this exists. And so you'll start to see more examples of what you like and start to find ways to make it happen in your life. And it doesn't feel as far when you're able to say, okay, what parts of it can I implement today? So I think that makes, and then all of that starts to create that, that confidence and that energy boost that will get you through, you know, those days where it feels really hard when job searching, you know, it's, you get a rejection or whatever it may be, you know, that going back to that feeling, especially if you've been practicing it and implementing whatever you can, that again, now sets that even solid or found, I don't know if solid is a word, but more solid uh, foundation, right. That, that will keep that momentum going for you versus like, you know, the first rejection you get completely just like bringing the entire house down. What a way to build resilience too, yeah. to, to do that. So I feel like we're talking about the theme of purpose. We're kind of dancing around it a bit. What does purpose mean to you and how do you help your clients use their career with it? Do you go a different way? What does that look like for you? I love... Well, what does purpose mean to me? I might, I might have to come back to that. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's just... I think purpose is a deeper a deeper inner knowing and a deeper inner place of service. So I think, and service either to yourself or to others, it it can be, I I just think that purpose, purpose and service really go hand in hand. And so one of the reasons for me why I have been in the learning and development space and why I've chosen to stay very niche in what I do and helping people from a career perspective in this space is that Learning and development is a very purpose-driven field. Uh, you know, one of the things like my mom always said is like, you know, to to do that, you know, to do that type of work, you know, you need to have a servant's heart. And I think to have a servant's heart, you also have to be a purpose-driven person. And so I think those two those two absolutely go hand in hand. And so for me, I actually it's part of my mission statement. It's literally on my computer right now, which is to help purpose-driven people find, land, create, grow, and love the L and D career of their dreams because. I don't think you can be, I mean, anyone can be successful in anything because, you know, the world's the world today. But I think to truly be happy and successful uh, in the learning and development space specifically, but I think even in your career, just in, if we're talking more generalized, it's, you know, being able to say, what is my purpose? What is my why? I, the first thing I do with every one of my clients, like the strategy is never the same, but the first part is always why? Like, what, what is your why? And your why and your reasons are different things. So people will come to me and I'll say, why? Like, why do you want a career in learning and development? Like, what, you know, what's coming up for you around that? Like, well, I want more flexibility. I want more money. I want to get out of the classroom. I work with a lot of transitioning teachers. I, you know, all these things. I'm like, that's great. But those are reasons. At the end of the day, those reasons, like when you get that rejection, those reasons aren't going to keep you... In fact, those reasons are actually going to 
make you feel worse because now you're feeling further away from your reasons. But your why, right? Oh, I want that light bulb moment. I want to help someone in their career. I, you know, I had this wonderful experience where someone taught me something and I want to give that back, right? That's purpose. That's your why. And so how do we now take your why and we get really clear on what your why is and then figure out, well, what does that look like as a as a, a career manifestation, right? What are the skills and the interests and the capabilities and the values that now we can pull out of your why? And then how do we find a career that aligns with all of that? And so I think when you go that 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 route and you say, all right, let me start with my purpose. Let me start with my why. You know, why am I here to do what I'm wanting to possibly do? What does that even look like? I think when we go back to our purpose and our why, it it creates an opportunity for us to see maybe roles or career paths that we never really even thought of before. And at the same time, so we can we can zoom out at the same time, it allows us to zoom back in and stay in alignment and make sure that we're only applying to roles that again, fit back in our box. So I don't know if that quite answered your question, but uh, when I think about purpose and I think thinking about finding your finding a role, like that that why is is the foundation. If you don't have that, I, I think the... This the it'll be very challenging to really feel connected and aligned once you get into that role. That is so powerful. And the distance that that question creates, because it isn't about your career, it's about you. It's about your life. Puts so much space that I think it it helps you to not feel so connected to a specific career in that moment, have to answer that question in that moment. So you have some room to play, to experiment, to invite your child self a little bit yes. back into the conversation. Yeah. Like, who are you? Like, why? Like, why? Like, just, you know, and, and it's not an easy question to answer to your point, right? Like, it is not a, oh, well, my why is that? Like, it takes some time to actually sit with yourself because a lot of us can give list reasons. Reasons are really, really easy, but that's not your why. Like, those are just byproducts of what will happen when this does happen for you. And reasons are important. Like, I think, yeah, you're know, wanting to have a better job and more money, all of those things are really important, but that, that core why is just what carries you. And it and it's almost becomes your north star. And whenever you feel like you're you're kind of falling, falling off the path or your that desperation is kicking in, that prove it energy that our coach always talked about, you know, like when all of that starts to kick in, your why will help bring you back. And that's why I think that that purpose and knowing what your purpose is and knowing your why makes this process almost like fun sometimes. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it, it, it helps to create that intentionality, but it's that reminder. It's that constant reminder. It's like that, uh, you know, that Google alert coming up, like, Hey, reminder, here's your why, you know, don't, don't go off the deep end there. Or if you went off the deep end, come, come back, like come back home to your why. Your why can change. I always encourage my clients, like every like six months, check in with it. Like, like my why has changed since I started my business two years ago. I mean, does it change a full 180? No, but has have I been adding and taking away and refining? Yeah, absolutely. Like you're not married to your why. You're not tattooing your why on your forehead. Like, you know, it's a post-it on my computer. I can rewrite one if my why changes. <laughs> so I think it's important to remember that too, that you're not married to your why and your why can be iterative. I feel like that can take some of the pressure off. So everyone listening, if you don't feel like you know what that why is, this is the perfect invitation to go ahead and take some time to bring some clarity to the question, knowing it can change. So you don't have to get it right. You don't have to look for the one purpose you were meant to do. You can look for what is your why right now? What is that calling right now? And and you mentioned how it changes over time. I remember when I started doing career coaching, my my original why was I want to help people take charge of their career, to take charge and to own it. And I loved it and I embraced it and I embodied it. And I still, of course, to this day, value that. But when I think about my why now, it's evolved to this layer of it's doing your work in your way with soul. So it's bringing that whole self, energetic self into it too. And that's the evolution my why has had. And so for those listening, notice too your own why. And maybe maybe if you can't figure out what it is now, if you look back at your past, you'll start to notice some themes that are underneath it. You're on the current now. So you look for the signs of when you were truly happy, felt fulfilled, had that spark of insight. All those are clues to the why. Yep. I love it. Beautiful. 
Okay. So we've talked about a couple different themes here. Uh, one thing that would be fun, I think, for us to cover is people often come to client sessions with an idea of the problem or what they think is wrong. And then through coaching, they realize, oh, wait, that was just like this red herring. It was an illusion of the problem. What I actually want to work on is this. So I'd love to hear some of the client discoveries that you've noticed for your clients or what people tend to bring that then ends up getting completely different. Honestly, I'll use an example that ju- like just happened before I got on this call. I have a, a client right now and we recently started working together and she's freaking incredible. Like I mean, all my clients are freaking incredible in all honesty, but uh, she's just had the amount of experience that she has and like what her skills and what she brings to the table is just um, beyond. Uh, but she's been having, she's been struggling. You know, we just started working together and she was struggling from, from hearing back at all from roles. And what we found is that a decent chunk of the roles that she applied to before we started working together were just misaligned in the first place, right? So, you know, today we we're talking and she's just like, I'm not like, like I'm feeling like exhausted. Like I'm feeling over this process. I, you know, I just like, I don't know what's wrong, like why I'm not hearing back. And so I asked her, I said, well, what are your, like, this is a question, you know, as a coach, as we probably ask this 20,000 times a day, but you know, what are you making not hearing back? Like, mean, like mean about you as a person. And what we were talking about is what really, really came up. So to make the, the long story short here is that you know, she is a, a, a an overachiever, which is, a, I think, a blessing in a lot of ways too. And, but for her whole career, she's felt like she's had to prove herself and that she's had to put in 200%. And so what really came up in this conversation, and I have a voice note waiting for her when I get back. So I'm interested to, to you know, stay tuned, TBD on this. But I asked her, I'm like, who are you really trying to prove to? Like, who, who is that? And so I think what, ha- like what I see happen is that it's like we show up feeling like and saying, well, I want to prove to them that I, you know, can do this job or I need someone to take a chance on me. And it's not about them. But that's what I realized realized really quickly as I started coaching is like it has nothing to do with the recruiter or the hiring manager. You have you have to prove it to yourself. It's you who doesn't believe in you, and if you don't believe in you, it's gonna be really really hard to convince someone else to believe in you. You know, it's a real that's, that's a challenge, right? It's just from an energetic perspective, and so I from and I see that happen a lot, and I see those words and I hear those words from my clients or even as people on LinkedIn, like I just need someone to take a chance on me. I just you know I need to get my foot in the door so I can prove myself. And it's like. You you need to prove it to yourself first. Like we need to work on that where that trust with yourself, and that relationship with yourself. So like, yeah, people come like I'm, I haven't heard back from any interviews, and it's like all right, well let's let's dive deeper into this. And a lot of it's just that that mistrust with ourselves that we don't we don't believe we can do it or trust that we can do it or you know we feel we have to prove like, prove to ourselves. And so I think there's some definitely a relationship with ourselves that we need to work on. And when I see that shift. I had a client earlier today who over the last couple of weeks, you've been working on that. And I've noticed in the last like two weeks, a huge shift. And I can tell by the, by the types of jobs people apply to, I can start to see that shift. And she has been applying, has not been hearing back. And then, like I said, last two weeks, things mindset has really started to shift and she's really come into her own. And now this week she applied to two jobs and heard back from both of them and has first round interviews. And so it's incredible to see once we repair that relationship with ourselves and we trust ourselves and we no longer feel we have to prove it to ourselves, then so much changes. Yeah. I mean, energetically, so much changes. And also the way we respond to job applications, the way that we position our resume, what we put on LinkedIn, how we portray ourselves when we're talking to the recruiters, all of that shifts. We might not even catch it because we might even be saying some of the same words, but the way we say it is different. And people pick up on that. We know you can tell like we're humans, right? We have really great spidey senses. Like you can tell when someone's not feeling great about themselves. You can tell when someone's excited. Like you, like we can pick up on this. Like we, we are very complex beings and smart beings. And so even in the way that we, to your point, like maybe even the way we write a thank you or write our cover letter or send a, you know, a request on LinkedIn, if we have that proven desperation energy, 
then it's going to come across. There's, there's very few reasons why it wouldn't. And so when you wonder like, why am I not hearing back? Why am I not hearing back? Like, I just want to prove to them. I just need them to get my foot in the door. Like here, here, what you're, here, the language that you're using with yourself, because then that, that is where then the coaching comes in, right? Of like, let's, let's explore this relationship with yourself. And so you can trust yourself more. When we're in that prove it place, we want them to take the step first so we can know it's okay to take the step. But nobody wants to do that. Everybody's, everybody wants the other person to make that first move. And so it's your job. (laughs) Yeah. We're humans, (laughs) right? (laughs) It's easier that way, but it's your job as yourself, your career, you're leading it to take that move. And the first move, just like Sarah shared here, is that trusting in yourself showing yourself you have your own back, showing yourself you're figuring out, letting yourself believe that there is a way that you can get the job you want because it's what you're after. And I love to tell my clients, if not that job, then better. So maybe you have this vision and you put it out, but you're not the universe. You can't read its mind. You can shift and yeah. knowing. Yeah, go ahead. It's so true. No, I was going to say, like, I, I was having that conversation this morning too around, like, there's no such thing as just like one dream job, like that exists in one company. But I, I look once a week, there are 700,000 learning and development jobs right now. There's no way that just one of those are a great role for you. Like, there's no, like, mathematically, that is, it doesn't, like, that's, it's impossible. It's nearly impossible. And so I, I love what you were saying there, just like, to me, I love, I actually love what you say more than what I say. So I'm going to, I might borrow that from you, but for me, it's just like, it's proof of concept. If there's one, there's many, there's, there's just no probable way that this is the only job that exists for you. And so I think the other thing that too, that I've noticed people doing when they come into coaching that they need, you know, coaching beyond that moment is putting roles on a pedestal, right? Of like, it's, it's the job, it's the one, it's the team, it's the company. And it's like, the more that you put a role, the more that you value a role, which is a, which is an inanimate object, by the way. Like a job description is literally an inanimate object. So we cannot put that on a pedestal. But the more that we value the role, the less we value ourselves. So we have to make that shift, right? And so to your point, like if that exists, there's that exists again or better. It's so true. I love how you put that. This pedestal is making me think too about people put their interviewers on a pedestal too. Like they get so nervous. They think that the interviewer is going to take them down. And one of my favorite shifts that I like to use is the interviewers on your side. They're propping you up because they don't want to interview more people. They want to get this figured out. Yeah. They don't want to waste their time. They want you to be the person. They have other shit to do. <laughs> like, yes. not, like they don't have time to be interviewing 40 people. I love that's so true. It's so true. What tips do you offer your folks when it comes to interviews? Yeah. Similar to what you were saying, I mean, what one of the big things is that remembering that you are going into it as to gain information. So when we go back again, you're not going to prove anything. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to, you know, try to convince them of anything. You're going in there with your experience, with your expertise, you know, with your skills. And you're also making sure that it's the right fit for you. I notice people have that mindset shift that like, I'm, and I know people say it all the time and like, like, you know, roll their eyes at it, but you really are interviewing them as much as they are interviewing you. And and so are what we were saying before, like, this isn't the, this isn't the first role. It's not the last role. This is not the last open job in the entire world. And then after this, there's no other opportunity. Like, so it's okay to, to walk away. So I think first and foremost, going into it, that mindset shift of like, I need to make sure this fits what I'm looking for and what I need and what I want out of my career versus like, I need to make sure I hit all these points and do all these things. Like, again, that shows up with that proven energy. The other thing I tell my clients is to stop over-preparing. So I see that happen all the time where they're just like spending hours and hours and hours and hours reading everything on the website, Googling everything, you know, stu- studying, like study. I'm like, you, stop studying. What do you, what do you need to study for? You have the skills, you have the capabilities, you have the expertise, you have examples of this. We've already done that work together. I want you to show up authentically as you. Cause I think the more people spend studying and over preparing, the less they actually show up as their, them, their authentic selves. 
So I think, uh, yes, like you should look at the company. You should know the values, like, you know, see who, who you're interviewing with if you can and know a little bit more about them. Like those things, those things go a long way, but the chronic over preparing and the, that just creates again, a sense of prove it energy, a sense of desperation. And then you start to chip away at your own authenticity because you're trying so hard to, to be like a, a robot version and trying to be what you think they want you to be, but they just want you to be you. Like that's why, that's why they reached out to you. They liked what you, what you already had to, to say and what you had to write in your resume, or maybe it's further down the line in the interview process and they have already liked you. Like yeah. be you, just be you. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. And this makes me think about confidence, which we touched on a little bit before. What I find is people, they they get their confidence in the preparation, which is a very fragile confidence because then when you get in the interview, if they ask a question you didn't prepare for, you are stumped. One your confidence. Yeah. Amen. Snaps to that. <laughs> yeah. And then you have no That's idea so what to say. Yeah. So this I, is why over preparing. It's not like it, like, I think people think, well, what's the harm? I think we, we've just outlined the harm there. Yeah. The prove it energy. <laughs> yeah. Prove it energy, robotic approach, uh, hurts your confidence, wastes your time. And it's just not fun. Yeah. I mean, I see people on LinkedIn all the time saying like, I have an interview for so-and-so position tomorrow. Um, what should I be prepared for? And I'm like, who the F knows? Like, who knows what you're going to be asked? Like, no one, no one can trust me. Now that we can talk, that could be, that's a whole nother like conversation that I do believe interview questions should be given to candidates ahead of time. I think for accessibility reasons, for um, inclusion reasons, like there's so many, so many things we can talk about there, but like right now it's not the way that it is. And so we don't know what you're going to be asked. And I love what you said. And I see it happen all the time where you prepare for these like specific, specific questions. And when you don't get asked one of those, you then freeze up because you've spent all your time. Maybe you have a hundred post-it notes in front of you answering a specific set of questions you think you're going to be asked versus being really confident. You know, I always say to people too, like think about in your career, the three to four you know, achievements or things that you're most proud of, that you're most excited about, that you would love to achieve again in another role, and you know, in your next role, and and what skills did you use to leverage it, and and just be clear on those three things, especially when we're proud of it and it's something that stands out to us. We can talk about that forever, right? Like it doesn't we in, in any which way. You want me to talk about it with this skill or that skill or in this way or that way. And so rather than focusing on like, how would I answer, tell me about a time when you did blah, 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 blah. Like, just think about these things that you're proud of and and what was the process around them? It's much easier to answer those questions and, and to fit those stories into the questions that you get asked to. So yeah, there's, you can't, unless someone's giving you the questions, you have no idea what you're going to be asked. Yeah. Yeah. And I 100% agree with you around how they should be given ahead of time because Unless you're being interviewed to be an interviewer, what's the point? Hopefully, maybe someone listening in the the universe of interviewers will hear this and it'll change. But <laughs> it'll change. Until then, stop over preparing. Yes. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yes. Okay. So let's spend a moment to talk about the job market because I've heard a lot of people lately have been quite freaked out about what they're seeing on LinkedIn, about all of the layoffs that are happening. What would you offer to people who are feeling that way? Yeah. First and foremost, I want to validate that feeling because I know it's scary. I see it with my own clients, right? That's like, oh, I'm seeing this over and over again. And there's, you know, a recession looming, whether it's now or later, or, you know, things happen. But I will say a big but here. I think now more than ever, what I'm noticing is that it's actually. I don't want to say this. I'm I'm being recorded, so I choose my words wisely. Um, I think that it is much less taboo now to talk about being laid off than it ever has been before. So I think almost in a way, and I'm not, I don't want to say this in full definite, it's almost sexy to be able to talk about being laid off. Whereas before, maybe years ago, probably like pre-COVID or even like in the beginning of the pandemic, if you got laid off, you did not announce it on social media. 
like you, like you did not talk about it. You told your friends, your family, like you, it was very, very taboo. Now people are like, I got laid off, like looking for my next role. And what's happening is that those posts are going viral. And then other people, when they get laid off, they're like, well, I saw Bob Jones. He got laid off from Snapchat and he had 7,000 comments offering him, you know, all these roles. So now I'm going to post mine. And so I think what happens is, is that we're seeing it, are layoffs happening? hundred percent. Like that's, that's, that's a non-deniable fact, but I think, I don't think it's any more than any other points in history when we've been in this type of economic situation, but we're just seeing it a lot more because people are not afraid to talk about it, which is great. I think it's good. Like, I'm happy that people are open to talking about it, but the reality is because people are more open, you're seeing it more. And when you see it more, you think it's actually happening more than it ever has. And so, you know, companies might have laid off a hundred people, you know, and, and that's, that's terrible. Like I, I feel for those people, but like that's a hundred people maybe out of a company of 10,000, right? And those type of layoffs happen all the time in good economic times and bad economic times. I think we're just seeing it more. And so that causes a lot of angst because we're, we're seeing it more. I also think that companies are using the idea of a looming recession to skin some of the fat that they have built up. So I like, which I think is shitty in all honesty, it sucks. But I think it's less about like, oh, we're running out of money and more of like, oh, we, you know, we, we, we hired on a bunch of people that we don't necessarily need. Or now that we've, you know, looked at the organization, we can trim here and we can trim there. But then they're saying, oh, well, it's because of the economy or because of the recession. I know there's many companies who are, yeah, there's com- companies who are laying people off and the next day they have a hundred positions open, right? For, for different types of roles. So I think I, there's a lot of moving parts there, but what I am seeing is that people are still getting jobs, that there still are a, a lot of jobs open. I'm, I'm just seeing it. And I, I have not seen a difference in the length it takes for my clients to get roles. Uh, I haven't seen a difference in any of my clients I think of the 200 clients I've had in the last couple of years, two have been laid off um, and one already got another role. So you know, I, I think, again, it goes back to there's no full way to recession-proof yourself. That's you know doesn't exist necessarily. But I think when you get really clear on, on what it is you want and finding that alignment um, and you almost make yourself indispensable in an organization, that that helps there too. But yeah, I don't want to negate the fact that layoffs are happening and you know people are hearing it a lot and it's causing a lot of feelings but i just really think that it's also magnified and publicized more because it's it's no longer taboo yeah thank you for that perspective and and i feel like one of the hidden benefits of it not being taboo is it can take some of the shame away you don't mm-hmm. have to hide in a corner it's it's not something you have to wrong yourself for having happened to you it's it happens. We can't control the universe. We can't make somebody keep us around. And even if we did everything right, like you said, for whatever reason it might be, you still could get let go. We don't have to mean that it means something's wrong with us or that we're wearing like the scarlet letter in a bad way or anything like that. It's what happened. It's the circumstance that you're in. And now what can you do about it? Yes, you see it more in bad economic times, but bad economic times will always come. Right, like that's the, that is the way that the you know the the economy works. Um, but it happens in good economic times as well. So it, I think it's going back to getting like be if as long as you're clear on what it is that you want and you're looking for that alignment, even when you do get laid off, if you do get laid off, you are already more resilient because you were in a you you already figured out what it is you liked and maybe what you didn't like. And so it, it allows you a sense of resiliency to move forward because you know, hey, I already experienced this once. I've, I've experienced, or maybe multiple times, you know, what it's like to be in alignment. And if it happens once, it can happen many times. And to your point, even better, you know, than, than before too. So I think that doing it right, whatever that might be, you know, that this time and this, whatever it is you're looking for next allows you to create that sense of resiliency moving forward too. Mm-hmm. And that's the the gift of the rejection, whether it's job rejection, whether it's a layoff, whatever it might be. The way that you show up for you in those moments says everything about 
your relationship with yourself. And that is the opportunity there to build that strength within yourself. So you have your own back regardless. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's perfect what you just said. I mean, it's I think we talked about that even in the beginning of just the trust that you have with yourself. Uh, these opportunity it gives you the opportunity to to test it and to make sure that 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 bond with yourself is is strong because when these when these things happen because not that everyone's going to get laid off but you know like the universe will throw things at us right it's it 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 will test that bond that you have with yourself and if you as you're going through this process of looking for a job if you're working in that relationship with yourself if and when something does happen that ends that role or you know put something you know in in your place you have that bond with yourself too and i think it's a really beautiful point that you're making around this they will test it but if you've worked on it like you and you will make it through yeah and it doesn't make it not hard which i think we touched on before we we want to honor and validate those feelings but it doesn't have to be what what ends the ability for you to see how you could get a next role, how you could make this into a win for you in some way. For sure. Yeah. It makes it hard. And I'm just going to be honest too. Like a lot of times when people are getting laid off, like I, I know for a fact, I have a friend who works for a tech company and they laid off a lot of people. They all got six months of severance. They're full, you know, they're full PTO. They're healthcare paid for. I'm not saying it's like that for everyone, but there's also, I think we see it and it's like, you see the layoffs and you imagine that tomorrow they're going hungry and, you know, tomorrow they're, you know, they're going to have no childcare or tomorrow their, you know, car is going to get repossessed. Right. So I think we automatically assume layoff is worst case scenario. My friend was telling me, she's like, oh yeah, I had to let, you know, one of our uh, team members laid off. Oh, she's just going to travel Europe for three months because <laughs> she's getting, you know, getting paid and while she's looking for a new job, she's going to go go to Europe. And so I think there's also that piece of it that we don't, that isn't seen, right? No one's like, I just got laid off and six months severance. I'm going to Europe. Like no one's posting that. They don't post it that way. Yeah. And I don't think it's the same for everyone. Right. So I don't want to say everyone gets that, but like, I think we also, when, especially if you haven't been laid off before you see layoff, 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 or like, Oh, X company laid off 25%. And it's like, yeah, they laid them off, but they're paying them out for the next six months. Like. My yeah, friend like my, my friend is kind of like, man, I wish I was la- like laid off. I'm so stressed out, you know. Like it, it so it, it's such a difference of perspective too when you think about that. Also, no, again, no one's posting that side of it either. Yeah, and even if they are, if we think about the way the brain evolved, those might not be the ones going viral because they're not the danger, danger symbol yeah. to the same extent. So. They're yeah, not going to get the traction. Sharing, sharing to my network or commenting for reach. No one's saying like, oh, commenting for reach, you're in Europe for three months. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so again, those, those aren't being seen. It's the, I, you know, I'm out of work. I was laid off. Like it, it's the, it's the scary stories. And I think it's, that's humans, right? Like we see that and we're like, oh, so just remembering too, that a lot of times, especially in these big companies that we're seeing, the big tech companies, the Snapchats, the Microsofts, the, you know, like the Googles, whatever it is, like they're just not letting people for the most part, they're like their salaried workers. They're not just cutting them off uh, cold turkey that. And a lot of times with large organizations, even small ones, when there are layoffs, there is a severance pay where whether it's four weeks, whether it's six months, it's usually not someone, you know, going hungry the next day. So I think it's again that perspective shift. We only see one side or our brain tells us like, oh, they got laid off. This is really, really, really bad. Uh, I don't want this to happen to me. And then we start thinking, oh, well, if I got laid off and I didn't have a paycheck coming in and we spiral down that way too. So it's just knowing that there's lots of sides to the to the coin here. And there's lots of circumstances that go into it and not letting your thoughts of what could happen freeze you now in this moment and give you that fear. I see a lot of people do that where they're like, well, I hate where I am right now. I'm really unhappy. It's killing me. I'm getting paid terribly. It's, you know, sucking the the life out of me, but I don't want to go somewhere and get laid off. You know? So I I see that too, where it's like, that's the (laughs) trade-off. Like you literally are telling me your soul is getting sucked out of you and you don't have enough money to pay your bills, but that's the fear. Right. And it's like, because that's what we see. So there's there's a lot of moving parts to that too. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love that you outlined all those pieces because I think it shows us how do you want to see the job market for you? How do you want to use it in a way that can let you move forward and not stay stuck? Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's, it's really, it's perspective, right? And you can, you can choose the perspective you want to have. And if we want to choose to go a a narrow route and say, I don't want to be laid off. So I'm going to stay here, even though it's terrible. Like that's, that's, that's your choice that you can then choose to say, well, that's one case and that's one situation. That's one scenario, but here's a hundred other scenarios. It could be two. And we just don't know. We just don't know. Yeah. So this podcast is about doing your work and your way with soul. And so when you're working with your clients, how do you help yourself connect to your intuition and your sessions and or your clients to find that connection to themselves? You know, I think as a coach, it's really, really important. Well, A, for me to do my own work, right? It's like work to do like my own. And I've been noticing that more and more lately. You know, I stopped doing a little bit of my own work and I could feel, I could feel that it didn't allow me to go as deep with my clients. And so I'm like, all right. I want to get back into therapy. I want to, um, I want to get into like hired a coach and, and some programming. And I want to step back into, into myself. And we talked before the, uh, be- before we started airing around taking some time off of for, from therapy and from coaching to reconnect with myself because I also came, I think dependent on some of those resources too. And so I think. For me, it's taking a break and taking a pause that has been huge for me personally of setting boundaries. Uh, it's also huge, but the, and those boundaries allow me to take a break and they allow me to pause and they allow me to say, okay, what's working? What's not working? What can I amplify? What can I get rid of? Um, and then I take those lessons and then it helps me ask my clients those same questions, right? So when I ask myself and I see success in asking myself that, well, now that's the proof of concept for me. So I think with my clients, it really is about looking at the alignment and how is this feeling? And you and I focus on this a lot, but I don't think it's focused. I don't think the job search market in itself is focused on feelings. Like, how does that feel to you? And I think my clients, especially when we first start working together, I'm like, okay, cool. How's that feel? They're like, what? Like, what do you what do you mean feel like I'm supposed to feel like something it's like yeah like I want you to like how does that feel when you read that job description how did you feel you know what what I, why is that a weird question but it is you know so I think I think tapping into my clients feelings and what and helping them tap into their feelings and really get Get to know that this is back going back to that trust, but getting to know themselves more, right? How do you how do you build trust? You get to know someone, right? And so I think when they've been disconnected from their feelings for that long too, it's coming back home to themselves and understanding who they are as a person. I, I had that conversation with a client earlier today, and she's like, "I'm finally realizing it. Like, I want to bring." We were talking about um, preparing for for interviews, and she's like, "I want to bring my whole self to this role." I don't, they wanted her to do like an aptitude test. And I was like, you know, don't like, she's like, oh, should I like, she's like, should I, I was thinking, she said, I was thinking of, you know, doing a test one. And I really don't want to, cause I, I, if I'm not the right person for them, like I, I, I don't want to have to pretend, you know? So I think for me, it really is like that feeling and that trust with yourself. And I have to do that with my own self and through my own work. So that way I can help my clients do it too. So I think when I have, that also allows me to, to to draw in really empowered people. So I think that's an important part of my own business is really focusing on attracting people who are ready to do that work. I think for for a while, especially in the beginning of like looking looking back, is I was attracting people who were kind of looking not even for a quick fix, but more for someone to do the work for them. And so I think my, it's my job as a, my, as a owner of my own business, attract people who are ready to do the work. And then, you know, because of that, then I can go deeper, deeper with them too. Yes. And okay. Let's talk about your business for a second here. How can people find you? What are you offering these days? What ways can they connect with you? 
Yeah. Well, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's like my jam. Uh, so LinkedIn, Sarah Canistra. I'm just basically live on LinkedIn. If it went on a business, I would be very upset. <laughs> um, so LinkedIn is where you can find me. Um, you can also check out my website, theovernighttrainer.com. I have a podcast called The Overnight Trainer, which Lisa was a guest on. Like last year, was it last November? I think. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't believe it was that long ago. (laughs) Time has like flown by. I'm like, how is it already this month? Um, And then, yeah, as far as working together, I offer a couple of different options. So, from a career perspective, I have a group coaching program called Fast Track. It is designed to help you find, land, and love your LD role in 90 days. Um, I also do a 30 day career transition intensive, um, all done via Voxer, where you can access me. Uh, daily through the week to kind of move that along pretty quickly. It depends on where you are in the process. And then I do some executive coaching too. So if you're a high-level L&D leader or you know, new to your L&D management role, uh, I do executive coaching and three and six months packages on that. So yeah, that's the find me, work with me. Um, I'm trying to think of any other ways. I'm kind of on Instagram, kind of not. So LinkedIn's the best way to find me. I'll be back on Instagram one day. (laughs) (laughs) And you post incredible content on LinkedIn too. So for everyone listening, I highly recommend you at least find her there, but also her podcast and her offerings are available too, linked in the show notes here so you can find them easily too. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Well, anything else you want to add before we wrap up? No, this is always such a pleasure. And I think it's just... I, I, I really appreciate all the work that you're doing to bring soul to this experience because for so long and you and I have talked about this offline and so I want other people to hear this too I I think it's that more masculine energy around like you know do your resume and apply and again not like you know those things are important but like it's bringing in that like human purpose to all of this and so I'm just so appreciative of the work that you're doing to bring that element in to something that is really outdated and you know really uh, yeah i think outdated is the best way to put it so i just appreciate the work that you're doing and i'm so excited that you brought me on today so we can chat more about it oh thank you so much i think everyone's gonna get a lot out of today's episode thanks for listening to today's episode and if you loved what you heard make sure to subscribe rate and leave a review I help my clients to show up and do their work their way with soul. Whether it's so you can excel in your current role or so you can figure out what you want for your next role and get that role, coaching can help you get there. It begins with a consult. Sign up for yours by going to believeseed.com slash schedule. This is your free call and it is that first step towards that new life, that transformation into you doing your work in your way with salt.